James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink and with the baptism with which I am baptised you will be baptised. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this conversation, that's the other disciples, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognise as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you know that there's lots of records in history, ancient history particularly, the time of Jesus, of lovers having sex while their slaves are in the same room. It's all through ancient history, right up into the Middle Ages, if you were lucky enough to have servants or slaves. I'm mentioning this not because I have a particular interest in who has sex in front of who? It's not generally something I pay a lot of attention to. But because this passage is all about slaves. And slavery is all about power. Who has it? Where you get it? And what you do with it? If you want to become great, you must do what? Well, great in our culture is basically riches, isn't it? If you want to be rich, all you need to do is buy my book. Send me $100 and my book will tell you how to be rich. And you've heard that joke, haven't you, where inside the book, the only thing is, says is put an ad in the paper saying, if you want to be rich, buy my book. Send me $100, so on. We all want to know the answer. How do you get greatness? So it's no different. We're no different from 2,000 years ago. So if you want to be great, Jesus says, don't buy my book, become a servant. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. It doesn't, it doesn't say, whoever wants to be great among you must be of service to others, but you must become a servant. And actually, we're wimping out when we translate it as servant because the only way the ancients would have understood this word is the word slave. Slave. 
If you want to be great, you've got to become a slave. Rome was built on slavery. The entire purpose of the Roman Empire was to keep expanding. And when it stopped expanding, that's when it got into trouble for all kinds of political reasons. A lot to do with what you do with an army once it's got no one to fight. They tend to fight each other. But every time they conquered a new group of people, they either enslaved them directly, as in brought them into the Roman Empire and used them as slaves, or they made them work in their own lands and pour riches back into Rome. That was the whole economy of the Roman Empire. Not much different to the economy of the British Empire and all the empires that we've seen. In fact, Galilee, where Jesus was, where he was born and where he's grown up and where he's talking now, was a place that was, had the life sucked out of it by the Roman Empire. Either people were drawn into slavery directly or more, most likely they were made to produce enormous amounts of stuff that is given or taxed by the Romans. It was a very difficult place to live. But slaves in the ancient world were essentially flesh and blood machines. That was their purpose in the world, was to provide the work that needed to be done, and that was all. Hence my quote about uh, my idea about men and women who were, or people who were lovers, having, making love in front of their servants or their slaves, because they weren't really human beings. It's like if you're being intimate with someone, you don't care that there's a stereo in the corner. You wouldn't feel bad about being intimate with somebody while a stereo was on. It's because it's just a machine. It, it sounds absurd. Equally so, it would have been absurd for the wealthy who owned slaves to even imagine that the slaves were anything more than just flesh and blood machines. They fed them, of course, so they didn't die, or at least didn't die too soon before they got their money's worth out of them. They were not real people at all. They were non-persons. So if you want to be great, Jesus says, become a non-person, become a machine. That's what he's saying. Lose all rights. Have no control over your life. That's what you've got to do. That's absurd. But it gets even more absurd because the next sentence, Jesus doubles down and says, whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. How can you be the slave of all? You can't. It's not even possible. It's not even possible to know all the people. And Rome was an enormous empire. How could you know everybody, let alone be their slave? You can't be. Jesus, I think, is using hyperbole to say, not only is that ridiculous, but so is the beginning part of this, greatness. There's no such thing as greatness. It's an illusion. And if you run after it, you will live in illusion. You will be disillusioned your entire life. There's no such thing as greatness. Many people came to Australia, particularly South Australia and various parts of the United States as well, in order to, uh, to get away from the class system. The idea that you were great based on whose parents you had. Now, of course, we don't care about that at all now, except that our newspapers have been, and television have been blanketed with a, a young couple from Britain. Well, one's from Britain, the other's from America, who just happened to be in the lottery of life, born in some aristocratic family, and we're fawning all over them. So maybe we're not quite as... We're not quite as 
Republican as we like to think we are. But because we have greatness locked into our way of thinking. Malcolm Turnbull was seen as a great prime minister by many people because he was rich, because he built up wealth and therefore that's a sign of greatness. Donald Trump was voted in by many people when you look at the surveys for the same reason. He's smart. Now surely nobody thought that. But anyway, he's rich and he's made all this money so therefore he could do that in the, for, the, for the government and he said I will run the government like I run my companies which in itself is a frightening thought. But rich, richness doesn't equal greatness or goodness. Jesus is saying it's all rubbish. It's all nonsense. And you see it in Jesus all the time. He hangs out with the people who are expressly known as the people you don't hang out with, as people who are expressly not the greats in his culture, the poor, those with diseases, women, and children, prostitutes, and then it's often called prostitutes and sinners. That's just basically everybody else who doesn't measure up, who isn't great, who won't appear in the magazines, who won't be the ones that we lord it over. And it's no different today. That's what the church is called to do today. That's what human beings are called to do today, to pay attention to ordinary people, because there's only ordinary people. The rest of it is nonsense. It's rubbish that we've made up. Harry and Meghan might be wonderful people. I hope they are. I have no idea who they are. I don't know anything about them. But they are not important any more than you are or than Elijah, who we're about to dunk today. He's just as important, and he looks much snappier in his bow tie. We know that's true, so I'm saying something. You, know, you could yawn at this point because I'm saying what we say we believe, but we don't live that way so much of the time. Three months ago, we paid our federal politicians another pay increase to make our Prime Minister one of the wealthiest politicians in the world. On the very same day, we cut penalty rates to the people at the bottom end of the working ladder. Forget the fact that we haven't increased the New Start allowance for 25 years. We say one thing, but we're living another. So somehow our job, and this is the whole point of the church as far as I can see, is for us to be together trying to implement the stories of Jesus. Hanging out with the poor, with the destitute, with the diseased, with all of those at the bottom. Which is why the church will keep banging on about Manus and Nauru. Not because we have a particular thing for refugees, because there's they're just people like the rest of us. The reason why we bang on is because they're us. And if we're going to treat people like garbage, there's no end to it. It's just, we've got no choice. Our two choices are to go on about this, to keep working for this, to keep trying to do the work that needs to be done, or throw this book in the rubbish and go and do something else on a Sunday morning. That's really our two choices because Jesus is saying greatness, it's all rubbish. What's truth is ordinary individual human beings, each one of whom, according to the Bible, according to the way Jesus lived, 
is imbued with a greatness that comes from the universe. Their very being is made up of the bits of the universe that God created. In religious language, we say people are made in the image of God. All of us. All of us.